prayerfully, when that takes root, and begins to change you from the inside out, that no matter what the consequences are of standing for the truth of God's word, we will not fold, we will not buckle, we will not bend, we will not break, but we will be the church on this corner that lifts high the name of Jesus, that proclaims the gospel with power and boldness unapologetically because we know this, it's the most loving thing you can do to tell people the truth of God's words. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you just acknowledging our desperate need for you, God. There is none like you. Uh, Your word says that you create the light and you form the darkness. You, God, do all these things. And so, Father, as we humbly come before you into your presence, as we open your living, breathing word, God, may you find us faithful. May you find us obedient. May you find us pursuing tenaciously your holiness. May we be humble servants of yours to touch a world that so desperately needs you, Jesus. We pray for each heart, each mind, each soul that is here, that God, you would resonate through your written word like never before today. And so I pray, God, that you would move me out of the way pray that we would not see the messenger, but I pray we would fall in love with the message whose name is Jesus. And so, Father, may you take center stage for your glory. Give me a divine power and unction because I can't do this, but you can. And so, Father, you move in power. Holy Spirit, have your way with us today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, looking at verses 1 through 3. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And... As we yield ourselves to the Lord today as that offering, as that living sacrifice, as we assemble around the Word to feast on it together, the title of the message today is, Be On Your Spiritual Guard. Be On Your Spiritual Guard. When you think about being on guard, what comes to your mind? Just think about that for a moment. There is something intentional. There is something urgent about it. There is something that is proactive that we want to protect. 
And so often in my own life, if I'm transparent before you today, I often will protect many, many things, but it's so easy to not protect the spiritual component of my life. It's easy to let my guard down. It's easy to become complacent. I read a quote here this past week, and it said this, Complacency falls softly, even pleasantly, on a sleeping soul. It's the secret to its appeal and power that it has over us. Complacency. I pray for me and you today that we are not a complacent people, but I pray that we are a people that is on mission for the mission. I pray that you and I will leave here today with such a renewed passion, a renewed vigor, a renewed hope in Jesus that we would understand how critical it is to be on our guard because it's way too easy, isn't it, church? It's way too easy to become spiritually stagnant. Kind of like that pond water that sits with that layer of film as the breeze has not touched it. We want to be a people that are roaring waters, flowing living waters from the living water himself, King Jesus, all for the praise of his glory. And with that, I want us to read these verses from 2 Peter as we journey now into chapter 2. And there's a stern warning here. A stern warning. Before I read these verses, however, jump back up for just a moment to chapter 1, 19 and 21 to give us the context of what we want to learn here today. And it says this, 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 through 21. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. That means it's stable, it's bulletproof, the word of God, to which you will do well to pay attention. Remember, intentionally turning your attention to as to a lamp that's shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star. Yes, Jesus rises in your hearts. Now look at verse 20, knowing there's a, a knowing, I get it, I, I embrace it, this First of all, in other words, he's saying, listen up, listen up, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. And we talked about this last week, explaining Scripture through the lens of self as, as if to loosen the degree of truth in the Scripture. That's not the case. We don't water it down. We, we don't make it more palatable and digestible for itching ears. No. Look at 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God. It was birthed and breathed by God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were moved and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now look at chapter 2, verse 1. He says this one word, but. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 2, many will follow their sensuality, 
And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And lastly, verse 3, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. However, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Wow. Powerful, powerful words from the Word of God that we must be on our guard. We must not get lured. We must not get lulled to sleep. Right there in this verse 1, we see this so clearly that Peter writes, he says, but. In other words, he's saying this, I make a statement in chapter 1, and I'm going to use this one transitional word, this three-letter word to say, but. But false prophets, those that what? Those that are not of the Lord, these false teachers, they're imposters. That original phraseology gives the idea of an actor. It gives this idea of a charade. It gives this idea that it's not real. That these false prophets, these actors, these imposters, and Peter's warning, he says this, they have rose up. Did you notice this? Past tense. And they will rise up. It's happened. In the past, it was there. You can read all about it. But hey, listen up. They're not dead. They're coming back. There's more and more that want to follow the enemy. And Peter's saying, look, if you don't treasure up the word in your heart, you're going to be drifting. You're going to go to and fro. You're not going to know what's right, what's wrong, because wrong will seem right and right will seem wrong. And everything will become blurred. It's kind of like the fog begins to descend. The spiritual fog begins to descend. And Peter's warning, he's saying, You have to be on your guard because the destructive heresies of that day and what you see in our day, many seem so right. They seem appealing. They use Bible verses. They pray. It's all packaged in a neat little box with a big red bow that looks so good. And yet Peter's saying, you better watch out. I made this note here in key number one that I want you to write down. I said this, I must be on my guard spiritually knowing that the enemy lures and baits as he secretly slithers about. Write that down in your notes. I, make it personal. I must be on my guard spiritually knowing confidence that the enemy lures and baits as he secretly slithers about. The enemy's all about darkness, isn't it? He loves the cover of darkness. Have you ever noticed that before? Like if you go, you know, Las Vegas or, you know, New Orleans, uh, Mardi Gras, or any of these uh, crazy dishonoring to God festivals that go on, have you noticed that at least in past, they've always been at night, I know things are changing to some degree. It's kind of like, let's just flaunt this stuff out in the light. But typically, it's done in the cover of darkness. 
Peter addresses this right here in verse 1 when he says this, that they secretly bring in, they, they craftily and stealthily is what that means. They, they bring this in. Destructive damnation is what this means. Catastrophic, decimating lies that are contrary to biblical truth, and they always lead to divisions. I've said this before, and I'll say it again right now, but the truth doesn't create disease. The truth exposes the disease that's already there. It just brings it bubbling up to the surface. And Peter's warning to this point. He's saying you must be on your guard because even these false teachers, they've denied the master Jesus who bought them. He bought them. When you think of this from a, a, the Greek standpoint, it's not necessarily referring to salvific. You could really go more as a master who purchases a servant. There's imagery used here. Because if they're false, they're not saved. So he bought them. He's given an imagery saying, look, they are to be God's servants, these teachers, these prophets. Even the common person, we could, I believe, argue justifiably that you, the lay person, that you want to be a lay person for Christ that walks not in falseness, you want to walk in the truth. Several thoughts stirred in my mind how the enemy works. Hitler, one of the most demonic that has ever walked the face of this earth, once said this phrase, make the lie big. Say it over and over again, and eventually they will believe it. Another author said it like this, if we toy with sin playing and prodding and poking the beast, we will eventually be devoured. While treasuring our pride, we can become seduced by the notion that we can somehow manage the lion. However, sin cannot be managed. It must be slain. If we ask, what do I have to repent from? We are in mortal danger. This is the echo of pride, and God is warring against us, end quote. We must be on our guard. Sin can easily creep into my own life. Sin can easily creep into your life. We must be on our guard. You say, well, how do we do that, Pastor? Write down 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. We studied this in depth uh, many months ago. But 1 Peter 5.8 is a go-to verse. It's an offensive verse that you attack the enemy with. And it simply says this, be sober-minded, be clear-headed, be watchful. Be on your guard is what he's saying. Why? Because your adversary is not your friend. The adversary, the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, the accuser who wants to come after you and your family, our church, 
everyone that lives for Christ, he wants to attack and decimate. He's not for you. He will tell you he's for you. But here's what he does. The moment that you and I give in to the enemy, we succumb to the enemy, he's the first one after cheerleading us into the sin, he's the first one to step on our throats and tell us we're a loser. Why? Because he's the devil. He is diabolical is what that word means, the diabolos. If you're a true believer in the church today, you got to understand this. He hates you, and he'll do everything in his power to cause division and discord wherever he goes. We must be on our guard. Oswald Chambers said it like this, measure your growth in grace by your sensitivity to sin. Measure your growth in grace by your sensitivity to sin. When you and I are sensitive to our own sin and we're on our guard and we're constantly repenting. So many times we have this ideology that repentance is a one-time thing. Salvifically, yes. But for the true believer, think through this just very simplistically, if you are being transformed into the image of Christ, if you and I are becoming more like Jesus on an ongoing basis, think through this just very logically, if I'm becoming more like Christ, if you're becoming more like Christ, at some point in that becoming more like Christ, I'm going to have, you're going to have revealed to you how much we're currently not like Christ. And so what has to happen is, I get to see where I'm falling short, and I get to joyfully repent, to turn from whatever that is, an attitude of my heart, a sin of habitual nature that has festered and hardened and calloused my heart. I get to turn from that. That's part of the repentance. Think of this one more time. Key number one, I must be on my guard spiritually knowing that the enemy lures and baits as he secretly slithers about. He's cunning. He doesn't ring your doorbell. I'm promising you this. <laughs> he doesn't go, ding dong. I'm here to destroy your marriage. Ding dong. I'm here to destroy your family. No, he slithers about. And he makes it look so right. And before you know it, here's the roaring lion. And he's about ready to devour. Church, we must, I must, you must, we must be on our spiritual guard. If there was ever a time to be on our spiritual guard, it's now. Think about verse 2 for a moment as we segue into this. So Peter drills down even deeper. He says, and many, not some, not few, and many will follow their sensuality. A great large number will yield to and imitate the false Christians. The blind are leading the blind. And their sensuality, their, their lust. Now let me pause there for a moment. In the original, it gives this idea of a lust, an unbridled desire, an uncontrollable desire. Can it be sexual? Sure. 
Man, the enemy uses that big time in our world today, but it's just not that. Many will follow after just whatever the false Christians are doing. Because you got to remember, Satan's over here going, hey, you guys that work for me, uh, here's the game plan. You go over and infiltrate the true Christians, and then you try to pull them away. No. Why? Because of them, the way of truth, verse 2 says, will be blasphemed. The way of truth will be mocked, will be ridiculed. And maybe that's you, maybe inside your home, your extended family, maybe you're the one going, you know what, not perfect, but I'm running hard after the one who is, his name's Jesus, and I'm trying to live light and darkness, and I'm taking a beating, taking a spiritual beating, I'm just tired, I'm exhausted. Maybe that's you here today. My encouragement to you is don't lose heart. Keep pressing on for God's glory. It'll be worth it all when you stand face to face with the Savior Jesus who died for you and and He bled and was crucified and He was executed on a cruel Roman cross. It'll be worth it all when you stand in His presence and he, He simply exclaims to you, He looks at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. But be careful. Be careful. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Christians that are false affect and infect true believers. False Christians affect and they infect true believers. That's why our key number two is so mission critical. Write this one down. I must be on my guard spiritually knowing that many will be seduced into being led astray. Key number two, I must be on my spiritual guard. I must be on my guard spiritually knowing that many will be seduced into being led astray. If there was ever a time that that you and I were people of the cross of Jesus Christ, as there are so many enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ, I believe it's today. Uh, This is the time in our culture where, yes, in your home, in your business, your ball team, in your church, that that it's time. It's time to rise up. It's time to wake up. It's time to be the people that say, you know what, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will there be a price to pay? Yes. It might cost us our jobs. It might cost us friendships. It might cost us family relationships. But but this is the time. This is the time that the church of Jesus Christ must rise. That this should be our finest hour. To be the people of God. To be the people of God. That simply just say, look, we love the world so much that we're not going to cater to the world any longer. That we're going to be the people of God. That God calls us to, to be holy and to live this life on mission for the mission. To go make a difference, to pierce the darkness. When everyone else is running out of the fire, this is our time to run into the fire. 
We got to give people something more than a free ticket to heaven. We got to give people something more, something meaty, something weighty. It's time, church. It's time. We must be on our spiritual guard. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. I was thinking of some verses to give you, and one chunk came to my mind. Matthew 7, 13 through 20. Matthew 7, 13 through 20 says it like this, and this is what the Scriptures say. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are, help me church, many. 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware, be on your guard. The false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You say, how do we identify those in our culture that are trying to lure us away, that are trying to bait us? We will recognize them by their fruits. We must be a people that love God's Word. We must be a people that crave God's Word. you got to remember, we talk about this frequently for a reason, because it's so true. The enemy wants you to get away from your offensive weapon. I just heard a testimony just this morning. Just this morning, I heard this. I love how God connects the dots. He's, the, the person, as we were talking, said this thought, that just one day out of Scripture... Just one day, hey, I don't need to read that today. That we then become desensitized. And the enemy, this is the way he works. He, he sits there just kind of like a golden retriever. He looks like a golden retriever to our eye, a cosmopolitan of light. And he just sits there and he's waiting for me. He's waiting for you just to let down our guard. And the very moment we let down our guard, boop, here he comes, and he finds that chink in the armor. 
Oh, church today, I pray. Dads today, grandpas today, ladies today, I pray all across the church house today that we will be a people that is so on our guard that we're protecting ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit, but then we are out looking around going, wait a minute, I got to look out for my family and my daughter and my son and my grandchild We are looking around our little churches called homes going, I need to protect. I need to stand in the gap. I need to be the one who's going to stand the night watch. We need some men and women that will begin to stand the night watch. Because it's just too easy to let our guard down. It's just too easy, as I read in the beginning, that complacency falls softly, even pleasantly, on a sleeping soul. It's the secret to its appeal and power over us. Listen to what Spurgeon said, the prince of preachers who endured so much physically, spiritually. He said this, the same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. The gospel is an offensive message. It's a life-changing message. But it's very offensive This is not the time for preachers to be sleeping in the pulpit. This is the time. This is the day. This is the hour that we must rise up and be the church of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Say amen. We're in a battle. And I pray that you're with me as we charge into the fire, knowing that since our God is for us, who can be against us? Knowing that greater is He that's within me than he that's in the world. Knowing that the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what can man do to me. Knowing that there's a great confidence in that the Bible tells me from the truth of God's Word that we serve the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. That we know this, if you're a true believer in the church house today, that this life is not your home. Man, we are just passing through. I don't know about you, my citizenship's not here, my citizenship's in heaven. And prayerfully, when that takes root and begins to change you from the inside out, that no matter what the consequences are of standing for the truth of God's word, We will not fold. We will not buckle. We will not bend. We will not break. But we will be the church on this corner that lifts high the name of Jesus, that proclaims the gospel with power and boldness unapologetically because we know this, it's the most loving thing you can do to tell people the truth of God's words. And yet there will be a price to be paid And I pray for you and me that even if none go with us, we'll still follow Jesus. Lastly, verse 3. And in their greed, 
They will exploit you with false words. So he's drilling down. He's already told us, look, they're out there. They look true, but they're really not. They're going to blaspheme the truth. Many are going to follow after. And oh, by the way, in their greed, in that lust again, that unbridled, uncontrolled, unrestrained desire to have more and more, they're going to exploit you with lies, artificial words, slander, half-truths, gossip, you name it. They're going to exploit you. But note this in your Bible right there, their condemnation from long ago, eternity past is not idle. (laughs) Romans says it like this. It's not on the screens, but it says it like this. For those that are walking in this darkness and they do not repent, it says this, because of your hard and impenitent heart, That word impenitent means this, refusing to repent. The gospel didn't soften, it hardened. That's what happens, one of two options, they either get soft by the gospel, I get hardened by the gospel. Refuse it, don't want it. And that same verse in Romans says this, because of that hard and impenitent heart, They're storing up wrath for the day to come. Out of curiosity, how many people by a show of hands believe in a literal heaven and a hell? Out of curiosity. Here's the deal. Every human being that's ever walked this planet will spend their final days forever and ever in either one or the other. If you know anything, I mean even remotely, about what hell, the lake of fire, is going to be, you don't want your worst enemy to go there. Church, there's a false gospel. It's called the gospel of Satan. And it looks so true, and it looks so right. And many, many are buying into this. And they will spend their days forever apart from the God who can save and redeem and purchase and buy back and bring them peace and joy to their souls. That's what the enemy's after. Their destruction is not asleep. It's catastrophic. But for you that are walking in the truth today, I just simply say two words. For you that are walking in the truth today, I say two words. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't bend. Don't cower. Don't please man. Stand firm. Because key number three, our last key, says it like this. I must be on my guard spiritually knowing that those who are working for the enemy exploit with gossip, slander, half-truths, 
and full-blown lies. Let me say that again. I must be on my guard spiritually knowing that those who are working for the enemy exploit with gossip, slander, half-truths, and full-blown lies. Write down John chapter 8, 43 through 47. Listen to the Word of God here. John 8, 43 through 47. Why do you not understand what I say, Jesus speaking? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. But, 45, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you, Jesus says, convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God, period, end quote. Wow. Often we think of Jesus as kind of this little teddy bear, don't we? Docile little Jesus. Man, he's throwing down off the top rope here, isn't he? He's talking to the Pharisees, the false Christians, the external. They're all about themselves and the pride of their own life and heart, and they wanted all the applause and the acclaim of man. And Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil. He's a murderer. He's a thief. You know this, that the Bible says that Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. We must be on our guard. This is the time to not be spiritually asleep. This is the time to be spiritually awake. This is the time to take the field. This is the time to leave the locker room. This is the time to implement the plays. This is the time. But it's going to cost a lot. I'm going to warn you. There's going to be a lot of pain in this offering. That's why Matthew chapter 12 says it like this, 33 through 37. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. There's only two options. For the tree is known by its fruit. Hmm. You brood of vipers. Here goes Jesus again. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, Jesus says, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Wow. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. You know, when you think about words, we listed this here in key number three. There's gossip, there's slander, there's half-truths, there's full-blown lies. I want you to write down Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26, 20 through 22. And this is the warning about gossip. Gossip destroys unity and yet I believe that gossip is probably one of the most rationalized sins on Satan's buffet. Here's what it says. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. So the proverber is making an illustration here. 
For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, no gossiper, quarreling ceases. Wow. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer, a gossiper, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Wow. You think about a, a, a road race, uh, Indy 500 or uh, Daytona 500, and what we all like to watch what most? The crashes, don't we? There's something about watching the wrecks. I think that's part of the human DNA. We, we like to watch, even at times, people wreck their lives. Why? Because it builds us up. It's easy to tear down so we can be built up. Which in reality, as Jack Wellman said, gossip doesn't only destroy the credibility of the gossiper, but it destroys relationships as well. And something I've learned over the years, if they will gossip to you, they will gossip about you. Oh, church, we must be on our guard. The enemy works through gossip. Number two, warning about slander. Slander destroys unity. Proverbs 20, 19. Proverbs 20, 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. When people come to you and you'll say it's your home situation, maybe extended family, and, and I know there's never any problems with extended family. Amen. Never any problems, right? What's well, easy, right, to chatter in the extended family? It's easy to, to slander, to say a, a half-truth here, a, an evil thought here, and, but we're destroying, we're destroying, we're destroying ourselves if we're not careful. And lastly, I want you to think about this. Bold-faced lies. Bold-faced lies. Proverbs 19, 19, warning, warning, Proverbs 19, 9, Proverbs 19, 9. Here's this warning. A false witness will not go unpunished. Did you catch that? And he who breathes out lies will perish. But what about you who are potentially being gossiped about today or slandered? What about you? Think about that for a moment. What about you that are being gossiped about, that you're being slandered, that you're being lied about? Well, let me give you some good news. Matthew chapter 5. Here it is. Matthew 5. Write this down. 10 through 12. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters of one sermon. Here it is. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for they are on the narrow path. Blessed are you when others revile you. And persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, Jesus says. And then he says these words, rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. Mm, let me say it one more time. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
You know, when people come against you for living for the Lord, for standing for the Lord at your workplace, you can rejoice. You can say, I want to count it all joy. Thank you, Lord, for allowing this suffering into my life and no longer going to ask, what are you doing to me? I'm going to start asking, why are you doing this for me? And prayerfully, God will grow and strengthen your spiritual resolve and spiritual muscle like never before. And that's why Elizabeth Elliot made this famous phrase when she said this, before grapes can be used, they first must be crushed. Before grapes can be used, they first must be crushed. Oh, church, maybe you're here today and maybe you are on your spiritual guard and I pray you are. Well, we've talked a lot about being on our spiritual guard today and encouraging and imploring and stirring up and provoking in a healthy way that we must be on our spiritual guard. But for you that already are, I mean, I want to lastly leave you with something. I want to leave you with something that I pray will leave your heart in full mode of confidence of how great your God is through Jesus Christ your Lord. I want to leave you with something that will make your heart sing. I want to leave you with something that will take you out, yes, even in the rainy Chester, Virginia day, and you will go out there on mission for the mission. Here's the deal. I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's a song that has just spoken to my life in the dark nights of my own soul. It's a song that I think through so many times when my head's on the pillow late at night and the tears are drenching the pillow and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm asking God, oh God, do something. Oh God, move in power. Oh God, show yourself mighty. Oh God, do the work only you can do. Holy Spirit, take over as I pray these things night after night in the midst of the dark hour. Oh, I pray this will encourage your soul because Horatio Spafford, he dealt with so much in his life. And as he sends his wife and daughters on a boat to sail across the sea, as they collide with another ship, and their ship sinks, and he gets a telegram, a telegraph that says simply this, saved alone from his wife. And four, all four of his daughters, I cannot even imagine the pain. I can't imagine the suffering. I can't imagine the heartache. I can't imagine what he dealt with, that his daughters perish. And as he's sailing to go visit his wife, the captain of the ship he's on, as they're crossing the spot where his own daughters perished, he calls to Horatio and says, hey, we believe this is the spot where your daughters perish. And he began to pen these beautiful words that I say so often to my own soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. For the song goes on, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, has been nailed to the cross has been nailed to the cross and I bear it no more 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well. It is well with my soul. Do you know how your soul's going to be well? When you're spiritually on guard. Oh, may the Lord speak into our lives today like never before. May we be His people. May we live victoriously in the midst of the challenges, all for the praise of His glory. Amen. Father, we come before You. And God, as we lift up Your Word, as we lift up Your glory, Lord, I know many people are hurting. God, I pray, would you touch that weary heart and mind today? God, I pray, would you infuse a dose of encouragement into that weary soul today? Lord, help us to be on our guard. The enemy is so crafty, he's so cunning. Help us to fight for what matters most. And that's the gospel. Oh Lord, work in this time. For those that have never given their life to you, I pray they'll do it right now. For those that just want to come forward to pray and repent and confess, I pray they'll do it right now. Oh Lord, just find us obedient, find us faithful as we give the consequences of our obedience to you over to you. And we'll let you take care of those consequences. May we be on our guard from this moment and forevermore. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.